We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. What's going on, Packers fans? Welcome into another Saturday edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. We are fully in July, uh, which means we're creeping, 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 crawling towards training camp officially starting. It's not far out. I think actually I heard some obscure uh, factoid last weekend about how from here on out there's like always football on or like we're two weekends away or something, whether it be college football, whether it's like XFL, USFL, whatever the case may be, whatever we're trying to do to convince ourselves during the offseason that football is around the corner. Uh, myself, Matt Freilich, and Janelle Mackey are here to, I guess, tide you guys over until that point. So, Janelle, join me on the pod. It's been a little bit since we've you know been able to connect uh, truly Fourth of July stuff. We had some family obligations last week, and it just it's it didn't line up. The stars aligned um, this week. Uh, that was a I guess a bad attempt at the the NASA pictures that came out. But the stars <laughs> aligned for at least you and I to connect. Uh, Eli could not be with us today, but your thoughts on the off season, how you're holding up, and um, I guess how's the summer going? Yeah, I mean this is the most boring time for me, you know, hockey's over the anticipation of the football season is just around the corner, but we're not quite there yet. So it's like, you're starting to get that speculation, but nothing is really happening right now. So I feel like I'm in a dead zone and it's just kind of like, well, it's nice because I was busy with family for the last two weeks that kept me a little occupied, but yeah, now we're back recording and it's kind of still like, there's nothing to talk about. Literally, the only news that's coming out is Aaron Rodgers getting tattooed. And it's yeah. like, when that's the biggest news, like, you know it's a, a dry off season. Man, I, I honestly, like, it could have been anything Aaron Rodgers related, but, like, the fact that there's a tattooed with a lot of meaning behind it, which, as a tattoo, probably should have some meaning behind it. It's on your body forever. Just, that was the little, like, shot in the arm, the little tea I needed throughout the offseason. Just, like, people getting up in arms about someone else's tattoo, and especially it's Aaron Rodgers. It was just so damn funny to me. Like, I just, oh, it was hilarious. But we, like you said, like, we, you know, anticipation, we missed a week or two, and it's like, okay, we should have something to talk about this week. Well, turns out there's really not a ton to get to. However, I think we have a really good episode for you guys today. It's something that I've kind of go back and forth on with myself. A cousin of mine actually brought up during 4th of July weekend. Um, picking my brain a little bit of just like this this scenario specifically, Janelle. So it's, you know, 
obviously the Packers have a ton of talent on this roster. We saw a tweet put out earlier this week from Warren Sharp just talking about them having a number one defensive back group. I don't think that's really like that crazy of a take. People, I think, kind of agreed with it. But you look at this roster from the defensive side to the offensive side, some of the pieces that are now gone, but truly like the offensive line, some of the uh, the running back position, obviously quarterback, and then a whole defense. Like you look at some players on this roster that are just like, what do you expect? Like, are they going to contribute the way they did last year when it came to maybe being brought in? Razul Douglas, Devondre Campbell. Are they going to live up to the rookie hype that they had being Eric Stokes? Is A.J. Dillon going to take a next, next step in this offense? It seems likely, but where do we kind of fall in July? So we're going to lay it out this way. It's Janelle and I are going to go back and forth here. It's going to be, first of all, who is likely to impress, make the all-pro team, you know, just have an incredible season that has a really, really high ceiling, right? Second one um, will be who is likely to disappoint. So some players maybe, like I mentioned, coming off a huge year, maybe had a really productive first year with the Packers, maybe are just maybe at that point in their career where they're a um, little bit longer in the tooth, they're falling down and father time's catching up, or maybe they just had a really you know short stint with the Packers already and you don't know what you're going to expect from them, um, and it, it could be on the downswing. The third angle is... You just have no freaking idea. And there's, I feel like I have more guys on this list than, uh, on the third option than anyone else. But as we walk through this, it'll be interesting to see what side, what players you select, what players I select. And maybe that sways our opinions based off them with some peripheral, um, I guess, arguments or debates around that. So we'll get started, Janelle. Um, like I said, most upside, most likely to disappoint in the player. You have no effing clue on what they're going to do this year. So I will kick it to you first, Janelle. We will start on the more pessimistic side to let the uh, the positive you know, people last throughout this episode. And we'll see if we can get the listeners in here a little bit longer. So first of all, most likely currently on the roster to disappoint on the 2022 Green Bay Packers. So, yeah, this one was really hard for me because, you know, obviously I don't want to look on the negative side of things. I want to believe in everybody on this team. You know, anybody who is on this team, I fully support. I want the best from them. So, it's, you know, it's kind of a tough thing to have to talk negatively about, like potentially somebody not performing well. Um, the only one that popped into my head, and there's a good reason for it, was Darnell Savage. And that's because, I mean, he came off a rough year, year and a half, but it's also you just kind of look at that DB room, and even if he's has a great year, like he still kind of has dropped to maybe the bottom of that starting list talent-wise. You know, you look at the cornerback room with Jair now back, Stokes, Douglas, and then you have Amos as the other safety. It's kind of like, you know, Savage has a lot to live up to with that backfield, and coming off of a rough year, you know, I don't want to say that I think that he's going to disappoint, but I think even if he does have a better year, I think that the group around him is going to be better. So that kind of makes it look like he's still maybe underperforming a little bit. But I do think that, um, at least I hope that Savage kind of jumps back into that um, star safety that we've seen from him. But that's just kind of the reasoning for me is just kind of looking at the group around him. And it's kind of like that that effect of, you know, he could be really good, but everybody around him is also really good. So maybe even if he's playing well, he does he still doesn't look like he's living up to their potential, if that Absolutely. makes any sense. It totally makes sense. And it's funny you say that because the way I actually framed it and trying to force these three topics together is maybe it would spark something on either side. And 
I don't, I don't want to say it sparked it because this was the player I was going to go with, but I can take a lot of your arguments. Uh, so I, first of all, agree with Darnell Savage. I feel like he's been under fire from Packers Twitter and Packers people just since the season. I mean, I, I think he's a fine player. Um, he's very, very quick, very fast to the ball. Sometimes it probably gets him in trouble. Maybe like a Clay Matthews, not to compare the players, but it's just like sometimes your speed and athleticism gets you out of position. So that was a couple of things I think people had issues with. And also like, Really, I, I I think Darnell Savage is a hell of a player, but he's on a weird spot right now. They didn't renew his contract. Yeah. You're not sure what's going to happen, and you hit it out of the ballpark. Like we talked about, War, or I mentioned Warren Sharp's list, like best defensive backroom. What's like shit? Like if there's four or five guys better than you, and you're the sixth best guy or the fifth best guy, like that that kind of says something. Should we cut ties with you and save money elsewhere? So it's interesting that you picked Darnell Savage because I also picked a young defensive back in Eric Stokes. Now, oh. Okay. I want to I want to preface this with the fact that I think Eric Stokes is a really good player. I think he could be on either side of this. He could be on the high upside. But yeah. the way I look at it is he is now going to be asked to basically be the number two. He came in last year with really, like, no pressure. Came in, rookie. They went and got their guy in the first round. Kevin King was still there. Razul Douglas emerged. There was a ton of other cornerbacks that were working through this team. But now you come into his second year, which sometimes we see regression. I I was trying quickly before we started recording to find some statistic about maybe like just cornerbacks who maybe had a good rookie year and fell. Uh, my fingers on the Google verse and the Google machine didn't do me any justice. But at the end of the day, I think you can make that wide brush stroke that's saying like sometimes guys that have good rookie years don't continue that into the second year and that be could be because um players or personnel on the opponent side ha- can adapt to them they can see tape they can see tendencies yeah. they can figure out what you know kind of their habits are so that's my number one uh or technically number two so number one he came in last year zero pressure number two he's coming off of a rookie year which was solid there's still some room for growth number three there is a lot of pressure on him because people are putting him as the number two uh, corner. People are saying that Razul Douglas will play in the slot, and it's almost like a foregone conclusion that these are your three corners across the board. But what happens if injuries plague this secondary? What happens if Jair's shoulder isn't just totally up to snuff? What happens if Darnell Savage has a poor year, Adrian Amos is banged up because he plays so physical? Like Then what happens when we have these other guys that have to step up, these young dudes? I mean, and also, who's to say that Razul Douglas can't overtake Eric Stokes? He had an incredible year last year. He's been around the block a few times. He's gone through one season and came back, right? He's a veteran dude. He's not coming off of a one-year like Eric Stokes is and has to recharge, rebuild his body. Now, I don't think that'll play too much into it, but at the end of the day, I think there is a potential for some of these younger defensive backs, like we're talking about, to take a step back because the bar is so high. Like, yeah. being talked about as one of the best defensive backrooms is high praise for some of these teams in the league, like the Buffalo Bills, the Los Angeles Rams, the Chargers. I mean, the list, you can go on and on and on. Where do they fall? And truly, as a Packers fan, like, I'm somewhat skeptical of that defensive back group. Now, I love every single one of those guys. I think there's those five starters are incredible, from Amos Savage, oh, yeah. Jair, Razul, and Eric Stokes. But, you know, We've seen teams that the Packers have had on paper in the defensive back room that have been really, really good on paper, and then all of a sudden the game starts playing, and they can't figure out cover three shells, they can't figure out coverages, they can't figure out anything. And really, Joe Douglas hasn't solidified this defense yet. I think that'll happen, or excuse me, Joe Barry. I think that'll happen, but at the end of the day, there's still some pieces that are falling into place, and in theory it looks good, but we have to kind of wait and see if he can. both these players can elevate to the next level for themselves. So... 
Yeah, um, so you and I kind of took the same angle where it's not yeah. so much that we don't believe in the ability, but we kind of look more as the pressure that's on these guys and will they live up to, you know, the standard. Yeah, 100%. So I like where we're on with the wavelength here. Now let's get a little bit more positive, you know. I know you you always like <laughs> to bring the positivity to the podcast ever since I've been recording with you for many, many years. Yes, so, yes. so positive. What player can we see some growth out of, some high upside? Now, this can be a player that is coming off of a, an injury. This can be a player that is – there's zero expectation. This could be a player that maybe had a down year last year, um, maybe not to any detriment of themselves or whatever, but what is a who is a player on this team that really, really is going to be able to exceed expectations, whether that's because of the you know the examples I mentioned, whether it's because just an opportunity is presenting itself because the, the depth chart is wide open, there's not a, a deep depth chart – Name your player um, that you see a ton of upside for in the 2022 campaign. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so I actually touched on this a little bit on last week's open book. I touched on this player, and I am going with Josiah DeGuara. I think that that tight end room with Tunyon being hurt and, you know, we don't know the timetable for him. You know, ACLs are a giant question mark. We just never know what's going to happen with those. But now there's a lot of opportunity for somebody to step up and really jump into a role. I mean, Mercedes Lewis, as great as he is and how much we love him, he's not going to come in and be a number one tight end. Um, we don't really know the Tyler Davis, you know, there's opportunity here for Josiah DeGuara to finally get that opportunity and get some reps and get himself in the game and not just be a sporadic player, but maybe find himself in there more consistently. And I'm sure that he'll get a lot of reps in preseason and, or maybe not as many because they don't want to risk injury. I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see, but I think Josiah DeGuara until Tunyon comes back has it's wide open for him to solidify himself as the number one tight end. And I don't think it's, you know, I don't think there's a lot of pressure on him. I just think that he has this opportunity presented and I really hope that he runs away with it. I mean, we've seen spurts and sporadic, you know, plays and moments from him where I think that if he can get those consistent reps, we're going to start to see more from him. And if you can add, somebody in there because our whole receiving room is kind of just a question mark with, you know, with no devontaing kind of not knowing what we're going to get from the receivers. And now the tight end room is a little glim, but you know, I, I could see this being his moment where he's like, you know what, I'm going to step up. It's year three for me now, right? Year three. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just, I see so much potential from him and you know, he's not really fighting too much for a spot, you know, with, 
the injuries and the new guys coming in. And, um, yeah, he's just somebody who I think he has more opportunity than a lot of other positions do to kind of solidify themselves. And, yeah, I think that this tight end room is the most, you know, has the biggest question mark. And I've been saying that for a few months now, even since the draft, because they didn't really take anybody to fill any of those roles. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that – I know there's a lot of hype around Tyler Davis, and he could be that camp darling, but DeGuardo's been inching his way in there. So if this is the year that he gets that jump, I think that could be really, really dangerous for this offense. And I'm excited to see it, and I really hope that he does live up to the hype that I'm putting on his shoulders. I mean, you make a good argument. Now, I don't I mean, this is this is one of those things when it's just a straight audio podcast. People couldn't see me doing some quick math here. And as a fellow comm student, you know how difficult that can be. So I definitely got yeah. the calculator <laughs> out here. So I want to break some numbers down to you just to really, really show you everyone how low the bar is for Josiah DeGuara. Now, we understand this 2020 campaign, right? Two games. He was injured, et cetera, et cetera. He played 16 games last year. So quick math, 18 games. He has a career total of 257 yards. That is 14 yards a game, 1-4. He's also averaging just south of one and a half catches a game. So, and two career touchdowns. Like, if you want to talk about the bar being low, I mean, he's, I mean, he's, he's under the ground underneath the bar. Like, it's not even, he has, I don't see a scenario where he doesn't exceed these low, low metrics that he's had. Now, you mentioned Tyler Davis, and I think that's a really good person to bring up because the the I guess everyone's so high on him, and people are kind of, in my opinion, people are forgetting about Josiah DeGuar. Maybe it's just me, but Mercedes Lewis, we know what we're going to get out of him. You never know when that final play could be could be for Mercedes. Knock on wood, he's getting up there, but he's a really really solid blocking tight end. Always yeah. going to be your solid number two, Tunyon. I don't know what to expect from Tunyon. I have no expectations. But if anything would have told us from last year in 2021, whatever you think you know about these injuries, just forget it all. Throw it away. Because David Bakhtiari's of the world, Darius Smith's of the world, Jair Alexander's of the world. It's like, what the what the hell happened? We don't even know. Yeah. Like, Tunyon, I don't know what we're going to get from him. Tyler Davis, I mentioned. Dominique Daphne kind of seems like he's out the outside looking in because I feel like him and DeGuara have similar skill sets, similar body types. They can play that um, H-back, fullback role. Uh, Elise Mack and Eli Wolf on rosters. I mean, Elise Mack, I like the story. I like the player, but I don't think he ever sees the field truthfully for the Packers, whether it's preseason. You break up a really good point, too. Like, if Josiah, if they really, really love Josiah, we'll know because he's not going to get a lot of snaps. They're going to give the snaps in preseason to Tyler Davis, Dominique Daphne, and the two other boys I mentioned and possibly some other guys that they bring on the roster. The Packers always love to bring in tight ends, as we've seen over the last couple of years, especially with Beauty, especially with LaFleur, to see who can fit in this role. So I think Josiah DeGore is a solid pick. I'm very, very pessimistic on Josiah DeGore. I have been since I drafted him. I felt like it was a bad selection. But they said, hey, you, you know, first year head coach, Matt LaFleur, third round, who do you want? And they said Josiah DeGore. They're like, okay. Probably could have got him the fifth or sixth, according to most people. But you know what? If this is your guy, so be it. The one year limited with injury, and last year really did absolutely nothing in a crowded tight end room. So maybe the lack of um, solid depth there, some you know older gentlemen there, some guys maybe they're not even going to make the roster. Decent pick with Josiah Deguara. But the one thing I will round this out, Janelle, with, so I can get into a positive space with my answer, is that Josiah Deguara in this offense should have a bigger role just strictly off the fact that they are transitioning from a pass first 
offense to a run, run, run offense, right? With mm-hmm. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, whoever else you want to maybe put in that backfield that's currently on the roster. I mean, Kylan Hill will be coming back, Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson, B.J. Baylor, et cetera, et cetera. Like, they can't throw the ball to Devontae anymore. They're going to have to run the ball. That means with these different personnel groupings, Josiah Deguara probably finds some spot on the field more just because he can play multiple positions and is, is, is an athlete. So you pick Josiah Deguara. Hopefully he can – I mean, truly, I hope he exceeds these statistics that I just rattled off because those are absolutely concerning. Right. Uh, <laughs> the player I'm going to pick with the most upside, this one I actually struggle with the most because – I just there's so many players like in the receiving group that I would want to throw in there, but I just don't feel confident in any of them. I don't know who it would be because there's about four or five that I could save this answer for that I would run with. Well, it's just such like an even playing field, too. Exactly. There's no I mean, there's like there's like rookies and there's like veteran dudes. And then there's like the old guys like Sammy Watkins. And I mean, just it's I don't know who I would put in there. But someone I want to bring to the forefront that a friend of mine actually and I went back and forth a little bit about two months ago. Um, It was some national person on Twitter, Fox Sports, someone or other Bally Sports, someone I don't know who it was. Um, But it was a quick clip, two minute clip. And they asked who is the most underrated one of the most underrated players I want to say in the NFC on the offensive side of the ball or who should have a bounce back year. So Kind of set me up for a, a halfway decent answer here, I would think, because it's almost the same question. Um, and that'd be Josh Myers. Coming okay. off injuries from last year, I feel like we often, as much as I praise the abundance of offensive linemen the Packers will have on the roster, sometimes within the middle and even on the edges on those tackle sides, we get lost in the shuffle. Who's on the team? Who's not on the team? Because because they acquire so many of these dudes, and I love that. That's something that I've really really enjoyed to see Goody do, oh, yeah. uh, and Matt Lafleur do, and they're versatile. Like I, I just like it, it pays dividends. And last year, I will I will beat the statistic until I die. I think they came into training camp with like eighteen dudes on the roster on in the um the line uh, offensive line room, and then by the end of it, they had about six or seven that were healthy that you actually would be confident in. Like the Ben Bradens of the world, he was on the roster, but it's like I was not confident in him getting in there. You you want depth at the offensive line, and you want versatility, which is, I mean, now he is playing for the opponent, but I I love J.C. Treader for that reason. Yep, And it broke me down to see him sign with the Vikings because he's somebody who I I was bummed to see go, and um, so yeah, he'll he might he might be a problem, but I just love those guys who you can throw them in anywhere. You know the Elton Jenkins and the Osh Nyman's guys like that who they'll just succeed wherever you throw them. So yeah, yeah. I, I love I love the way that they run that offensive line room. Like that's the one thing on this team I would never change. Just keep keep doing what you're doing. It gets me jacked up, honestly. Like who? I mean, I I've made jokes many many times about playing in the trenches, and that's where football's you know played and X Y Z. But like when you actually have a team that's built around it, it's like it's actually fun. Let's embrace it. Why well, it's not? Like, so, especially if I don't know if you're a Badger fan, but it's like sure, I, of course, you see that in college. Badgers are known for those offensive linemen, so you know I I respect the trenches mm-hmm. on you know the young level and the professional level <laughs> you have to so I, I like I said I'm going with Josh Myers just the fact that similar to Josiah, De, Josiah DeGuara he's coming off injury uh he was in his rookie year last year I think he should get a, I mean he was good when he was on the field there was a few games where maybe he was playing through injury um but I mean truly he missed so many games last year he only played six games and everything that I've heard and read like no one's ever said anything bad about him like he's he's a, a damn good player he's mm-hmm. one of the best centers in in college football um before he came into the league he's been a part of good offenses 
you would probably have heard something from Aaron Rodgers along the way, uh, but I want to say everything we've heard of him is complimentary. Nice to have a little backup with Jake Hansen there. We'll see how he lands on the roster. But I think Josh Myers, again, you kind of forget about him just because he started the first six games, was injured, he played in Week 18, and that was really all you ever heard. So I think I'm going to stick with Josh Myers because I think the the floor is very, very low, and I see his growth just being absolutely incredible. was getting some off-season time, getting acquainted with Aaron Rodgers whenever he decides to show up to, to practice. Um, Tongue-in-cheek joke, wink-wink. But I think it's gonna, they're just going to make it easier on him. They're going to run the ball more. He's not going to have to worry about as many pass protection stuff. It's going to be easier checks to the line for him. So I'm going to go with Josh Myers coming into his second year under, not under center, the center for the Green Bay Packers. I like it. Right. So you're really focusing on these second year guys. I am. I actually am. <laughs> yes, very much so. That's a great, that's a great observation on your part. Well done. So, uh, and you're, I mean, you're kind of, no, you're not. I was going to say it's, you're, is it third year guys? Cause Darnell's not in his third year. Or is he in his third year? That's why we sit in front of the computer when we record. He, Darnell's coming to his, into his fourth year. I actually didn't, I thought he was coming to his third. So, so we already got our, I guess, most pessimistic on highest upside gentlemen. Who is someone, Janelle, when you look at this roster, and I feel like this is the easiest one to me, who is just someone that you look and you're like, you know what? I have no flipping idea. Either it's based off of age, injury, lack of playing time, reps, he's in a new spot. You don't know what, like, who is a player that you just have no clue they could maybe be an all-pro this year or maybe, you know, get some Pro Bowl voting, we'll say, or someone that you're like, shit, he could be cut after week two in the preseason and we never hear from him in Green Bay again. Yeah, I think you and I might have the same answer on this one because it was, like, it popped into my head so fast. But Sammy Watkins, I mean, I, you know, obviously we lost Devontae and then it's like, this is who you bring in to the room. So it's just kind of like, okay, obviously he's not here to be Devontae, but you're also, you're like, he's older, but it's also really even playing field. So it's like, is he going to see the field at all? Or is he going to be out there being like a number two receiver? There's just so many different scenarios for Sammy Watkins. He could never see the field. Like he could get cut. Like you said, you know, he might not be here week one or he'll be a consistent starter all the week, all the way through. So I, I just have no idea what we're going to see from Sammy Watkins playing time how they're going to scheme him in um is he even going to play in the preseason because if he takes one hit like he might get hurt I just I just have so many questions Mm -hmm. and it's like I don't I don't not like the signing where it's like I I'm neutral about it I'm like I'm not upset that they signed him but I'm not like oh my gosh yeah thank goodness we got Sammy Watkins everything is saved now like I'm very neutral about it, which is why I think that also draws in the huge question mark for me, just because I don't know how he fits in. And it's going to be really, really interesting. And he could be really good. And he could just kind of be a bench warmer. It's, you know, we just, we don't know. And he's played really well. He's had good seasons in former teams and stuff like that. So there is potential for him. It's just a matter of, I have no idea. But I think with such an even playing field, maybe we see his name pop up more. I have no idea. And I think I have no idea is going to be kind of my staple when I when it comes to talking about Sammy Watkins because it's truly, I just, no matter how much I think about it and what I've seen from the past, I just don't know. And that's just kind of how I feel about this whole receiving room as a whole anyways. But he just kind of seems like an odd man out to me. Yeah. But he, I mean, he could be, you know, the the difference maker. Who knows? Maybe having a veteran in there makes it easier. I just, yeah, there, there's, 
a thousand question marks when I look at Sammy Watkins, and sometimes you forget he's even on this team. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how he's utilized. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And you read, you actually read my mind. That was the first player that popped in my head when I was scheming on this on my on my commute home. Um, I think it's a really good one because he was brought in late. Um, they got some value out of him, being that it wasn't the first day or week of free agency. But there's a reason reason he wasn't uh, grabbed then. You can't always hit the uh, Devondre Campbells, the Rasul Douglases, right? It just, sometimes it doesn't happen. You get uh, pick up guys late, so we'll see what happens with there. But between the injuries, the the fact that he's changed cities and organizations and schemes so many times is concerning to me. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, there's there's not a a huge buzz around him. Like if it would have been like Jarvis Landry that was brought in, but there's still something there. However, the fact that we were all like, yep. Awesome. Sammy Watkins would be the number two receiver. He could compete for the number one spot at bare minimum. He's a three to like almost, I want to say middle of June. It was like, damn, end of June. It's like, damn, he might not actually make the roster. Like there's, there was conversation and some rumblings. Like he might not do all that. Well, now, that could be because people like ourselves are bored of shit during the summer and we're trying to come up with content and try to come up with scenarios why something doesn't work out. Pretty easy to say that a guy that's been injured throughout his life into his, I mean, 30s, right? Almost 30 years old. He just turned 29, I guess. So with all these younger receivers on the roster, it's like, well, why would they even value him? Get some of these Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watsons, uh, Samori Toure, like get those guys some reps, right? Why would you even waste your time with Sammy Watkins who might only play seven or eight games? So if you're going to give the reps to the older receiver, it's going to be Randall Cobb. 100%. Absolutely. Because it's just, it's just, you have way more confidence. There's way more continuity between him and 12. So yeah. the player I'm going to go with here. And it's truly like you put me in a, in a bind here, and I appreciate that because Sammy Watkins is a really good one. I imagine most people, when they heard this, when I brought up that topic as a third option, probably it's like, shit, that Sammy Watkins fits the bill. But one player I'm going to go with here, and I think it makes a, a ton of sense, is um, Elton Jenkins. Just coming off that injury, yeah, his upside is so, so high. I mean, truly, if he doesn't get hurt last year, he's probably all pro. But at the end of the day, like – I just don't know what to expect from him. Like I said, the injury thing from last year was super bizarre with those three or four gentlemen I mentioned, but is Elton Jenkins younger than those guys? Yes, he is. Can he bounce back from injury quicker? Is the injuries the same? No. I mean, if anything, like you mentioned, the ACLs, you never know definitively, but even the David Bakhtiari injury, what we found out in late February, early March on the article that he he was my second question mark. <laughs> he's up there too, for me. It's like, cause he's old and he's been injured and he didn't have a great year, but like, you never know with these guys. So I, I want to, I mean, it's kind of, we're going with some younger dudes. Obviously Sammy Watkins is the outlier, but a hell of a selection by you. Like you just don't know what these injuries look like, how much they're going to be relied on. For God's sakes, even what position Elton Jenkins is going to play. Like it is the middle of July, and I don't think there's a definitive spot that we could all agree on as Packers fans. Like, does he play right tackle? Does he move to left guard? Does he potentially I mean, if David Bakhtiari struggles or is, is injured again, does he move to left left tackle? Like no idea. Like I, I, if I had to pick today, I would say he probably starts at right tackle because just the domino effect. If he's not there, Yash is there. Then you have to worry about the interior guys being able to play with Yash. That probably don't have this. It's just. And I don't you know how soon does he come back? Like, exactly. Exactly. And you don't know what you're going to get out of him. Like I said, I think you could argue the whole offensive line right now is a question mark with you know not knowing who's going to be back when, who's going to play where. It's yeah. I think for the first time going into training camp, we kind of 
there's a lot up in the air with that line. Hell yeah, absolutely. But again, depth. There's a ton of depth there, yep. and I think they're going to find the best five because they always do. So they're good at finding those hidden gems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is our top. I guess not top. That is our most optimistic, most pessimistic, and truly just someone we have no idea what the hell they're going to do this year. I feel like the, the there have been a couple for multiple. Some of them were easier than I thought they would be, but realistically, it's the middle of July. We are super, super close to training camp, two weeks out, and I am ex- extremely pumped because I get to live in Green Bay. I'm actually just closing on a house in two weeks, and I'll be living closer to Green Bay, or excuse me, closer to Lambeau Field and the practice field, so hoping to get down there once in a while, but um, just because I want to get down there once in a while, life comes at you fast, and you just kind of forget that you should probably go check out training camp because you live in Green Bay, and most people never get to get here. So at the end of the day, Janelle, we're plugging away. We hope everyone has a great weekend, but let everyone know where they can get in contact with you. I know Open Book is up and running on Game on Wisconsin. Once again, we are just creeping into, I guess, the real season or out of the dead zone, as Jacob Westendorf would say. But what do you got, Craig, and where can everyone get in contact with you, and where can everyone find all your content? Yeah, this is definitely an interesting time of the year for me. I feel like I just have less going on, and it's kind of nice. But, yeah, obviously everything on my Twitter at BigMac underscore four. Uh, yep, you can catch me every – uh, Saturday, kind of weird to say that now because I was so used to saying Tuesdays, but every Saturday here on Pack-A-Day, and then every Wednesday we go live on Open Book with Eli and Zach at 8 p.m. Central. So, yeah, just some good stuff. Eventually I think I'll probably jump back into the Packer Report stuff, but um, just a lot of, you know, waiting around right now, but it's kind of, you know, the calm before the storm. So I'm excited, and I'm sure you're feeling the same way. I am feeling the same way. I'm very pumped because I just love to find out just, like, who is getting reps in training camp. And I know it's not ever a sure thing because last year I want to say it was Ben Brain getting reps, I think, on the right side, and people talked about that. And then all of a sudden we never saw him for the whole year or Royce Newman getting certain reps in that certain spot, and then he wasn't there. So it – I just, I like to see guys in the field. I like to see guys in shells and shorts if that's all we can get for a while. But really, it's just to see the continuity. And I think with these offensive weapons, I'm very, very fascinated in to see because we should be able to tell two things right away with the offense. One, how much they're going to rely on the run instead of the pass this year, which I think will be a lot. And then two, which receivers out of these are going to get some reps. This is kind of like the MVS, Jamon Moore, Equinemia St. Brown year where they brought in a couple receivers who can figure it out. Now, obviously Christian Watson was selected higher than those other three, but you get my point. Like it's going to be a fun to see who can rise to the top and who's going to be maybe the MVS and who will be the Jamon Moore of this group. And then special teams where they fit in. So I'm extremely pumped um, to get in contact with me. It's Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M A T T underscore F R A underscore game on Wisconsin. My boy, Brendan Dworzynski, and I will be on Final Dump on Monday nights following the Freezer podcast. Instead of hearing our beautiful voices this year, you get to see our ugly mugs. We'll be doing a live stream, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. I actually have a call with him shortly after recording here just to kind of go over over some stuff on a little uh, commute I have. So I'm extremely, extremely pumped to be partnered with Brendan again this year. He's a hell of a, hell of a dude and also probably the best advocate for raising Kane's chicken of all time. The fact that he doesn't have a sponsor deal at this point is truly an abomination. So raising Kane's um, is good. I agree. Never had it hand up, but it, it looks like it's very sturdy and it looks fat, 
looks fantastic. I would love to get my hands on him. So at some point I'll have to figure that I out. I might know what I'm getting for dinner now. <laughs> right? You're welcome. You're welcome. So that's everything I have going on. Obviously Twitter just trying to stay active there, trying to post some stuff to get some laughs or some clickbait stuff or just to troll some people. And I've done pretty well at that late or uh, later on, I guess it would be between like after the draft and like a couple weeks ago, but really I'm just like, okay, enough's enough. I just want to read what everyone's saying between, like I said, the, the, the rankings that are coming out from everyone just kind of gearing up, getting some, getting some pub. But realistically, I just want to see some guys in Green Bay on the field and see some of these young cats get involved because it's going to be an absolute blast. So, um, for Janelle Mackey, I am Matt Fralick. If you guys haven't already followed Packaday Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, please do so. Most definitely go to the YouTube side. Andy puts out incredible contact there with people on the Packaday Podcast team supplementing when he has, you know, real life responsibilities, being a father and a, an incredible husband. Follow there. It's an incredible listen because you get to have Andy. Andy Herman in your face five, six times a week, sometimes seven. He does all seven, but like it's a ton of different information. He kind of has an opportunity to go deeper in the weeds on stuff than he normally would on the podcast with multiple people, the co-hosts, et cetera. So definitely go check it out on YouTube, Packaday Podcast. Subscribe there and go harass him in the comments about his horrible food takes. But like I said, for Jamel Matt, Janelle Mackey, I am Matt Fralick. You guys be safe. Have an incredible weekend. Let's soak up as much sun as we can, and hopefully it's nice where you are before Packer season starts and we become a bunch of hermits in early September. You guys stay safe, be well, and as always, Go Go Paco. Paco.